Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. To me, like cultivating positive body image is a whole lot less about like exclaiming that you love all these parts about your body and more about like what physical and thought-based practices you can have on a daily life. Living a healthy, balanced life as a mom can sometimes feel impossible. With tiny mouths to feed, butts to wipe, and so many things vying for our attention, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe every mom is a super mom, and you deserve to feel like one too, and you don't have to go on another diet to do it. Join me, Kristen Dovniak, holistic nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor for conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life. I want to help you uncomplicate eating, improve your relationship with food, and live like the supermama I know you are. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I have another incredible guest on with me today. You will hear me say at the beginning of the episode that this woman was one of the women who inspired me to start my own podcast. She was one of the first intuitive eating podcasts that I listened to, and I was so inspired, and I continue to be inspired by her work, and especially her work and her message when it comes to body positivity. And accepting our bodies exactly as they are and embracing them. So I invited her to come on and share with us a little bit more about being more positive about our bodies, honoring our bodies even when they might gain weight or change, and how to stress less about losing the baby weight and the postpartum stage as she is a new mama herself. So I'm so excited for you to hear from Victoria Myers, the dietitian and owner of the virtual private practice and online education center, Nourishing Minds Nutrition. Victoria and her staff specialize in empowering women to ditch diets, regulate hormones, heal digestion, and learn to practice wellness without obsession. She's also the host of the popular intuitive eating and wellness podcast, The Nourishing Women Podcast. Her mission for her community is to help them let go of the unhealthy obsession with eating healthy, make peace with their body, and live their lives to the fullest. And I think she shares all of that so well in our conversation today. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Victoria. 
Welcome, Victoria. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Like I I think I said before, or when we were chatting via email, I first found you over on your podcast, the Nourishing Women podcast. And like I was just sharing with you off air, I love your intuitive eating approach to women's health. And it's podcasts like yours that really, truly inspired me to start my own. So I'm so grateful to to have you on today. Um, I'm so excited for the conversation we're going to have. Well, thank you, Kristen, for having me. I am honored to be here and also super honored to hear I helped you decide to create your own podcast. I think podcasting is like the number one, like my favorite way to connect and educate with my community. So I'm just honored to hear that, like that also inspired you to do that. It's awesome. Well, totally. And I mean, obviously, we're we're here on the podcast now, but I do think it's such it's such a great way to connect with our communities. So just hearing our voice and hearing our passion behind what we do, I think is is so huge. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like you can get the messages across so much easier and in in a way that like connects to people and really encourages them to make changes in their life. I know that's true for me when I listen to podcasts. That was my personal inspiration behind starting my own very podcast. So I totally get that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Totally, totally agree. So something I just started on the podcast because we're just about a year old now and something I I like doing with guests um, over the last few episodes at least is starting with a really easy icebreaker just to get things going. So if you're willing, what do you drink first thing in the morning? (laughs) I chug some room temperature water and then I very quickly after that chug a bunch of coffee because I have a six month old and we still do not sleep through the night in any way. So coffee, lots of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) I am with you. I do the water and then the coffee after that too. But there's that light at the end of the tunnel. I promise both of my girls did not sleep for a really long time and now they both sleep all the way through the night. So... (laughs) I I know we'll get there. It's so funny though. You learn before I had a child, I was like so nervous about that. But now it's just like, you just learn to like manage life sleep deprived. It's so crazy how you like adapt to what's going on. It is. Our bodies are incredibly resilient. I think there are seasons and sometimes we just have to run off of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. So I already shared your bio before we even started chatting, but I would love if you could start by just sharing your food story with us. Oh, man, my food story. I love that you ask it, by the way, in that way, my food story. Okay, so for me, it actually stems back from, I won't get too detailed because then it's going to be like an hour-long conversation just about my food story. But for me, it really starts in childhood. I always had, I think, a different relationship with my body. Um, I never really connected well with my body. And I always compared, like I had vivid memories of being in leotards and uh, dance class or in swimsuits at the pool around other girls my age and always comparing my body to others. Um, Other than that, though, there was nothing necessarily disordered about my relationship with body and food, other than the fact that like we kind of learned in our house that you eat healthy. And if you don't eat healthy, you eat everything in one sitting. It wasn't like encouraged to have mindful behaviors around things that were deemed off limits. So that started actually a really young age for me. But as I got older, starting in high school was the first time I really remember being like, okay, it's time to diet. Like I need to change my body. And for me, you'll hear me say that a lot because my food store is very connected to my body. I felt, at least in my own story, that food 
like behaviors and controlling food was always related to body image. So I started dieting in high school and it very quickly became disordered. It got further perpetuated into my college years. I think for everyone, college is just such a funky time with with your own like views of yourself and your own worth and your body, of course, and how that relates to our food and exercise choices. So it definitely got more disordered in college, and that's also where some orthorexic tendencies started to begin for me. Um, I think especially because I was going to school be, to become a registered dietitian, it was almost encouraged in a lot of ways. And then after college, I moved to Florida with my now husband. And I became a bride to be, and that again kind of continued these like disordered on and off diets, restricting and then binge eating, and then being very obsessed with eating healthy and exercise thrown in there too. And it was really after my wedding, I really had a, a, a breakthrough moment where I was just so fed up. I came back from our wedding actually at our honeymoon. I binge ate a lot and I continued that a couple of weeks after the honeymoon. And I just had this moment where I was like, I cannot do this anymore. Like there has got to be another way to live. And thankfully I'd already heard some of intuitive eating, but I wasn't really immersed. Like it's not, I wasn't, um, I was a dietitian at the time. I wasn't doing that myself at all. I was actually still working at a weight management clinic, which is just so ironic and funny to, mm-hmm. to back on. Um, but I'm so thankful for that for that breakthrough moment because it really is what started. It was the catalyst for change for everything in my life. And for me, uh, intuitive eating, like I mentioned, was very connected to healing my body image as well. And it's interesting, it also related to healing my digestion issues. I had a decade-long experience with really bad IBS, and I even had some hormonal imbalance issues as I was getting off of birth control. It took me about 14 months to get my period back after getting off of birth control. So I just had all these different health issues and this intuitive eating and food and body images also connected. And ultimately, it's what led me to start my own practice, Nourishing Minds Nutrition, which is a virtual private practice. And it's also where the podcast is and an online education center coming in 2020. And I really started it because I had these issues myself. And I felt like when I was going through it, there was a ton of resources and information about intuitive eating, but not really sharing it, uh, maybe the way I share it, and also not necessarily helping me like actually become these things. So I was definitely on a mission to like, okay, well, there's so much good information, but how can we actually get people to intuitive eating? I felt like it took me a lot longer and I just had a lot more ups and downs than I wanted my own clients and community to experience because I felt like there was just like not enough information out there, which has changed a lot in recent years, which makes me so happy. But um, yeah, that's really what kind of started everything. It's so funny now because that's like what I do for a living and I'm so honored to be able to do this work, but it all really comes from from my own journey. I think for so many of us, it is our journeys that inspire, you know, what we end up doing and what we we end up sharing. I, I talk about this all the time, but I believe so firmly that we're given our stories to help others. And I think it sounds like that's exactly what you did. And, you know, I love that you mentioned that there's, there, there, there's a lot more resources out there now, but we all have our own unique voices and we all have a different way that we share things. And I think that's, we have different people. I mean, in general, in the intuitive eating world, but for us to women who um, connect with us because of our stories and because of the things that we specialize in. One of the things I love you share a lot about on your podcast is you'll share a lot about digestive health and hormonal balance and these things that some people I think sometimes will tiptoe around in the intuitive eating world because 
you know, as we sometimes we think that we have to jump into some sort of restriction in order to heal when it comes to to hormones or to digestion. And I think you have a really important voice in in that um, that kind of sector of intuitive eating. I appreciate you saying that so much because I think part of my core like uh, mission is just to make sure that we demystify that belief that hormonal healing or even digestive healing too, that it has to be some form of clean eating or a very strict regimen because I feel like that's what I see a lot of is like everyone feels like they have to eliminate a ton of foods and I really, really don't believe that at all. I think intuitive eating is what you need and there's other healing modalities we can use like herbal supplements, but I'm like a really strong strong believer that's like the exact opposite you would want to do to heal your hormones and digestion. And it's not only my personal experience, but I mean, I've been doing this stuff for years now with clients and I can say without a doubt, like you don't have to take out foods to like, you don't need that to have a healthy period. It's, it's interesting how that's become kind of the norm. And I, I hope we're changing that. I hope so too. And this is something that I've I've talked about a little bit as well in regards to my own story because there are there are so many parallels to your story and mine. It's pretty crazy. Things like the digestive health issues and some hormonal imbalances and losing my period and all that. But it wasn't until I found intuitive eating and really started tuning in to my body that I could actually learn the things that I needed in order to respond well and give my body what it needed to now have a regular period when I have PCOS. So that is something I know you've talked a little bit about that before. Um, Now have a regular period and to have like really normal digestion. But it wasn't all of these things that I spent years and years and years striving for. It really was the intuitive eating piece. Yeah, well, intuitive eating is this beautiful ability to connect the mind and body and to understand your body's internal cues as well as external factors. But it just, it really does teach you to understand your body. And I think that's where diet culture really has become what, like, that is what health and wellness world is now is very diet centric and diet mentality focused because it's ultimately like money profit, like profit is driven off of people feeling like they have to have this protocol, this information in order to heal. And intuitive eating is basically saying the opposite. It's like your body has all the information it needs. Let's help you learn to connect back into those instincts and that intuition in order to facilitate your healing. And that's, also a reason why I like on the podcast to talk about hormones and digestion. I would agree with you, Kristen. I feel like people tiptoe around those conversations in the intuitive eating world, but I think it's really important that we help people understand like you having those negative views towards food is what's causing the digestion issues and it's what's causing your uh, microbiome to be affected because you're not eating a varied, diverse diet and it's what's causing your hormones to be affected because you're not eating enough and you have to have carbohydrates in order to ovulate and all these like really important fundamental things to understand about your body and how intuitive eating facilitates that. Yes, 100%. Oh my gosh, so good. (laughs) Okay, so I wasn't planning on asking you this, but because we're kind of talking about this, and I love that we just kind of dove right into this conversation. So the woman who's listening... Other than going directly to you, which I hope I hope the woman listening will, if she has hormonal problems or digestive issues that she that she wants to work through, if someone's going through something like you know this hormonal imbalance or they've got you know this digestive issue that they've had for years and they've tried taking everything away and all of these different protocols and nothing really seems to stick and they want to try intuitive eating but they're afraid to take that step towards intuitive eating because they're afraid their symptoms are just going to get worse. What would you? say to that woman? Where where would they even start with intuitive eating if they're worried about making those problems worse? 
Mm, that's such a valid question. And if you are listening and you have those fears or those concerns, that's very valid. I think this is honestly where it's so important to work one-on-one with someone because we can really look at like the individualized needs that you have. There is a time and place for sometimes uh, doing the last principle of intuitive eating, gentle nutrition simultaneously with others if it really is valid within your own healing health journey. But most of the time it is it is more understanding like what intuitive eating is and how again that actually helps educating them on like why that helps your hormones and digestion. I'll also add to that too, I'm a huge fan of healing modalities like herbal supplements. Like we use them all the time in our practice and I love them because I think they allow someone to focus on the intuitive eating journey and allow um, herbs like a food is medicine point of view from herbal supplements instead of like focusing so much on the food it allows for them to get some symptom relief while they focus on their intuitive eating journey too so I think it's a little bit of both of those um, processes yeah I love that and I'm I'm all for work with someone one-on-one if you're really having these struggles and I know there's you know there's always you know there's finances and there's things like that but you can always find someone who will work with you on that because I think it is really important to work with someone but I love your approach of getting some symptom relief while you're working on this intuitive eating piece because that's really the most important part of it obviously we want that symptom relief but if we can have the symptom relief while we're healing this relationship with food and our bodies and then you know if we need to make any changes from there but I love that's a that's a really really smart approach I love that I wish I wish that's what I had done way back when I was healing my digestion (laughs) right there with it girl again like it all comes from me like using my own body as a guinea pig so I did not do that myself (laughs) (laughs) well now you're you're helping so many other women totally (laughs) So one of the things that we were chatting about for a couple minutes before we jumped on is how I think both of us agree that one of the things that tends to hold women back from moving in to this intuitive eating journey and really maybe they've heard of intuitive eating and they want to become an intuitive eater there they have a similar experience that you had where they're like I'm just done there has to be another way other than this on again off again kind of diet cycle. And one of the things that you talk about extensively is this body image piece that often holds women back from wanting to, from, you know, that place of wanting to become an intuitive eater, but maybe feeling like they're afraid that their body is going to change. So could you share how you feel that negative body image has an impact on our lives as women and moving into this intuitive eating space? Yeah, I think it has such a huge impact. And I think for one, like you just said, it it really affects, I think, people's ability to embrace intuitive eating because there's such fear. And when you really break down the fear, though, it's usually a fear of not knowing what your weight is going to be, not understanding if there will be potential weight gain, how to accept that. And, And ultimately a fear and just like letting go of that consistent pursuit to try to change your body and perfect your body. I mean, I think a lot of us don't realize because it becomes such a daily narrative and norm for us, but most of us spend a lot of time like idolizing and fantasizing on that perfect body. And when we have that perfect body, you'll have the perfect life with a perfect home and, and children and all these things, right? So I think when we understand that there's so much behind this body image, we got to break those down and, and really look at each of those. Um, as far as like why that negative body image affects 
affects your day-to-day lives. I think one of the things that I realized the most as I got out of having negative body image was how much space and time and energy it took out of my life. Uh, not only just, you know, again, idolizing and fantasizing about like what it could provide to me, but I would spend, because I had such negative body image that, that controlled my food choices, I would spend hours on a daily basis thinking about what I was eating, planning what I was going to eat, writing it down, counting the calories, counting all the all these different things, trying to control my body image. And when I got back, once I healed my relationship with food and then afterwards healed my body image, I agree with you, Kristen. I feel like body image is kind of a funky thing to do first. I feel like just holding space for that desire, but putting it on the back burner and then coming back to it once you really get to understand intuitive eating a little bit more. But once I did, I mean, I realized how much more time and energy and mental clarity I had. And I think that's when I was really like, oh, oh, wow, like body image has to be as much a part of the conversation as intuitive eating or even, you know, health issues like we were talking about earlier, like digestion and hormones, because we really, I really think it's like the core reason why intuitive eating can be so challenging for so many women, but also because it really is like the the thing that holds us back and it's it takes up so much of our time and energy. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And it's funny, something I was thinking about today, um, there's a really cool workout space at the, um, there's a co-working space that also has a daycare that I drop my daughter off at. And it's fabulous. Every city should have this type of situation. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say, that sounds amazing. Oh my gosh, gosh. it's so amazing. And they have a Peloton bike. And so I've been really enjoying um, getting in some movement by just hopping on the bike and doing whatever I have time for when I feel like it. Some days I do, some days I don't. But today I did like a really quick workout. I dropped her off and I I came back home. And something I was thinking about on the drive home was like the other day I didn't go and I didn't do a workout. And it was it was no big deal for me. But I remembered back to a time because I had this idea that for me, um, food was definitely associated with my body image and changing my body. But for me, kind of the last thing to go in terms of body image was movement and kind of this a little bit of obsession, not a little bit, for a while there was a lot of obsession with exercise and needing to get in a certain type of movement. And I would wrap my day around my movement rather than allowing it to be a part of my day because I just wanted to do something to feel good and to do something good for my body and for my heart and because I love to move and it's it's fun for me but it wasn't for a long time and so I that took up so much space and so much time in my life because I had this idea that I had to do it a certain way and for a certain amount of time and that would take away so much from my life. And now it's just kind of a part of my life, a thing I either do or I don't do. And it's interesting. I was thinking about that today. And when you're talking about there's it's so much space, it's so much mental space, it's so much time (laughs) that we spend obsessing over our bodies that we could spend living our lives. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think from where I'm at now to where I was, you know, all this years ago, I mean, this is, you know, we're talking like seven, eight years ago at this point, but had I not done all that work to heal, like I'm thinking of my life now and there is absolutely no way I could be a stay at home mom and also have like a business. Like there's I would not have any energy or space to. So that's one of the things I'll talk about a lot for my community is like, I'm doing all these things now because I did that work later on. And it has opened up so many doors in my life and allowed me to literally live my dream life. And I I do literally, I credit intuitive eating for that. 
Yeah, I love that. It's so powerful for so, so many areas of our life. One of the things that that comes to mind is our lives as mothers. So how do you feel like having a positive body image now has an impact on your life as a mother and how it could have a negative impact on other moms who might not have a positive body image? Yeah, I I think it has allowed me more than anything, just to be present in the moment to actually like be with Maddie when I'm with her and just to like enjoy every smile and giggle and just to be there really, because I had never, like when I was going through those things, I was never there. I was always in my head. Um, So that's been wonderful. I also think again, it has allowed me to have like the space and clarity to chase my dreams, which my dreams have always been literally being a, a mom and a business owner. I've always wanted both. And it's really cool to be able to do both now, but I would feel like if I still had negative body image and if you're listening, maybe you're still experiencing them that again, I think the first thing to know is like, that's totally normal. We live in a diet centric world and acknowledgement just that it exists, I think is so valuable. Just like, Oh, okay. Like, Oh, this is bad body image. Uh, Cause I think we get so used to it that we don't even like know how to question these types of things. But I, I think it would affect the ability to mother because well, for one, I have a daughter. I really don't want her learning those types of behaviors from me. And whether or not it is said out loud, they see what we do and, and they can pick up on things. And I would never want her to have poor body image or to learn um, negative health behaviors like controlling food or controlling exercise as a way to control your body from me. So that's like that's a big thing for me. It's like I would never want her to learn that. And again, I just don't think if I had if I had negative body image now, I think it would affect my ability to be able to do these two things I'm doing simultaneously and just to be able to enjoy it too, because it's, it's hard to focus on that when you're so focused on constantly figuring out your body. I mean, I quite frankly, like most days I'm like, I don't even have, like, I don't have time to think about that. Like (laughs) got bigger fish to fry. Don't have time to think about that right now. Um, but I do hold space and understand if a lot of women don't feel that way now, but I promise that can happen. It definitely takes time and patience and practice, but it can happen for you too. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because it can it can feel all consuming for someone who is really really struggling hard with negative body image. This might have been a, it might be something that they've been struggling with their entire life or since puberty or since they were a teenager. I know it was a part of my life for a really long time. I just never thought that I would be satisfied with my body. I never thought that I would be okay with my body just as it is without trying to change it. And I'm so grateful that I was able to kind of go on my intuitive eating and body image journey early on in my daughter's life. She was about two um, when I kind of dug into intuitive eating. But I know I even remember her asking me as a two-year-old why I was eating something different than the rest of the family. And that was like one of those first things that like shook me up like, oh my gosh, she notices Because they do. They notice. They hear the things we say. And they notice us picking apart our bodies. So I think it's it can be can be really impactful. And I know that that has to be so upsetting to have that experience. But I do think moments like that are really what propel us and they keep us motivated when intuitive eating gets challenging because it will inevitably get challenging at some point. So I'm sure although that was upsetting to experience, it was it was like your your main motivator to keep you going forward. Oh, yeah, 100%. My, I have two little girls, and they are the reason why I do what I do, because I want to help other moms have a similar, you know, a, a similar experience and a similar um, desire to step away from this 
space of dieting so they can be that example for their girls like I wasn't and now hopefully I am (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean by all means we can't be perfect examples of all the things all the times but we can live according to our values that's actually something we talk to every client that we work with very early on is is getting uh, a list of what values you have for your life and choosing to align your actions and your thoughts and your behaviors with those values. Because when you actually sit and think about what you want for life and what you believe in and and write out a value-based system, you start to see it like, oh, like having these negative thoughts about my bodies doesn't align with my values or restricting my food choices doesn't align with my my value systems or, you know, not listening to my body and exercising on days at once at rest day doesn't align with my value system because of X, Y, and Z. So it, I, I, it all, it's part of like the understanding of all of this is like getting clear on your values. I think it can be so, so helpful. Yes, totally. That's actually something I work with clients on a lot about too, because it it is powerful. A lot of us don't really take the time to ask ourselves, what do we value out of life? And is this affecting that? And once we do, and once we take that step back, I think it can be really, really revealing. Agreed. So what does then the woman who's listening and she's like, all right, this all sounds great. I really want to, you know, let go of this negative view of my body and step into intuitive eating and embracing my body. What does a positive body image even look like? You know, I think there's this idea of positive body image that it's like celebrating your cellulite or loving every belly roll that you have or looking in your mirror and exclaiming like, I love my body. And it really isn't that. Although like it could be that for some people, if that's something again, you value and you want for yourself. I think we could get there if we want to, but it's honestly, it's not like something I even like, that's not usually a goal when I'm working with clients that we're working on. Usually it's just finding ways to respect your body, let go of the negativity and moving more into like neutral terms and neutral feelings towards your body. So so that would be like, um, you know, getting curious and being an objective observer when you have a negative body image and kind of asking yourself why a bunch of times and uh, thinking about like why those thoughts happen or how they happen or what are they connected to an event or a childhood situation where you, you know, got this ingrained belief about X, Y, and Z. I think it's also just um, starting to reframe those thoughts, like I said, into neutral terms. And then physical, just off the top of my head, like physical ways you can body respect are carving out time in your schedule to move your body if it feels good that day or scar scheduling seven to eight hours of sleep a night or having an act of self-care on a daily basis, even if that's like taking a two minute shower like I did today. Like uh, it's just like practicing ways to respect your body and take care of your body. It can also be things like meal planning or food prepping because that helps you eat delicious food and uh, also helps de-stress mealtime, which especially for families can be really stressful. So it's more about like what can you do to respect and take care of your body and then also shifting those negative thoughts, getting curious about where the negative thoughts come from and even simply acknowledging that they exist. And then over time, creating neutral terminology instead of hateful terminology towards your body. Oh, I love all of that so much. This is why I wanted to have you on so bad. You just, you're so, you're so eloquent in the way that you share that it isn't necessarily about loving every role, but it's about respecting ourselves and loving on ourselves because we deserve it, because, um, because we are who we are and, you know, and 
we deserve to respect our bodies. So, see, you said it so much more eloquently than I did. Because <laughs> <laughs> body image is such a funky thing to talk about. Like, I feel like it's taken me years to even be able to really, really articulate what I mean. I still feel like half the time I'm like, wait, what did I say? But just trying to speak from the heart. But yeah, I think it's just such a, a valuable thing to like understand that like you can work on that. And like, it's part of this intuitive eating journey. And I do think intuitive eating can help you learn to treat your body in a new, different way. The best, like the beauty of intuitive eating is it helps you see like joyful movement and self-care and how stress impacts your health more than your food choices. And I think that all ultimately leads to body respect too. Yeah, it totally does. Um, I, oh my gosh, I want to say it was an episode that you had lately. It might've been the episode that you had with Lex Dadio, who has also been on the podcast and she's amazing oh, from Restoring her. Radiance. Yes. You were talking, I believe it was that episode, if if you remember what it was and not, and then correct me, but you were talking about how sometimes action precedes mindset change. And I loved that so much because we're talking about sometimes we have to do something and start like again like simple act of doing something to respect our bodies in order to start believing that we do respect our bodies and that and so I thought that was really powerful and and I loved that. Yeah, that's something I learned in clinical experience because what I started to realize consistently with every client I worked with is that actions have to change before thoughts do. And like even going further to thoughts, like mindset takes a long, long time to shift. So I always tell my clients, like your actions have to change. It's hella uncomfortable. You got to sit in the discomfort and get to know why the discomfort even exists. And then over time, the thoughts will start to shift. But if you're going into this journey with either body image or intuitive eating thinking, I'm just going to wait for my thoughts to change. And then my actions like that won't happen. Like truthfully, it won't. So you really have to change your actions and be willing to sit in the discomfort, which I believe is like such a such a critical thing to learn how to do sit in the discomfort. And for people like myself who had orthorexic tendencies, that discomfort is not obsessing over your nutrition that day and eating something that you believe is processed or should be off limits or not exercising where for other people the discomfort could be that you know you've never moved your body before in your life and finding a way to move your body that you know feels good and it's challenging but not overwhelming and I think discomfort means different things to different people but at least for myself in the past and then for my community usually that discomfort is in like embracing food fears and letting go of exercise or reducing it overall and then working on the body image stuff too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. So many of us are taught, I think, growing up that just to not, to do everything we can to not feel discomfort and just push it away, push it away, push it away. But we do have to sit in it in order to move through it. So I love that. There's actually something that is often very uncomfortable for women when they're going through this journey to finding the space of intuitive eating um, and really normal eating eventually. And that is sometimes we have to gain some weight or find a, a body size that really fits for us, a normal body size that um, that isn't going up and down, up and down throughout our lives because of dieting. And you have this incredible podcast episode. I just looked it up and I didn't write it down. I think it was episode 122, but I will link it in the show notes. Where you talked about becoming comfortable with weight gain. Can you explain why weight gain isn't all bad and how it can actually be a positive thing? Yeah, I mean, honestly, 
weight gain for a lot of people, I don't want to say all, but for a lot of people will happen in your intuitive eating journey. And I do believe that's because most women are restrictive in nature with their diets or controlling and also with the exercise too. So the set point of everyone is different. There are some people who lose weight in intuitive eating or just maintain their weight. But for most of us, weight gain is what will happen. And as you and I were talking about earlier, Kristen, I think that and body image are like one of the fundamental reasons why people are scared off from intuitive eating. But one that doesn't align with most of our value systems, right? To not like do something we know we, know we need to do just because of fear of weight gain. Um, but fear of weight gain is normal in this process. But again, like to me, I'm like, just because something's normal doesn't mean you can't challenge the hell out of it and also like get to know why it exists and work through it. So I think there's like different things you can do to make peace with weight gain. Um, but I will say like, I think for me, like when I look back, I'm like, it's so interesting that waking was something I feared so much because it has brought me so much in my life. Once I embraced intuitive eating and over time accepted my natural body size, which was a lot bigger than my previous body size. I mean, I have the business I desire and the life that I desire. I'm a mom. Now I have a period. My digestion is like literally no issues at all. And I just don't think and obsess about food the way that I once did. So I feel like weight gain can add so much to your life. It's just being willing to see that as a possibility. And like I said earlier too, like letting go of that desire simply to lose weight, maybe not yet making peace with weight gain, uh, but first just even like simply letting go of the desire to lose weight. Yeah. I think it brings back what you were talking about earlier with now having that space and having the ability to be present in your life and be present with your daughter because, you know, that fear isn't there anymore. And because you found this space where your your body is what your body is and you found this set point and there's no, you know, obsessing about your size, but, you know, maybe you're a little bit bigger than you were before, but you have so much more joy in your life. And I think when we look at it like that when we look at it is what am I what else am I gaining I might be gaining some weight on my body but what are the more important things that I'm gaining by allowing my body to find that set point yeah, that's why I like to talk about like acknowledging and recognizing thoughts even exist because I think over time, if you can just even simply like pick up, oh, hey, that's like a bad body image thought, um, you can then begin to move into like being an observer and being non-judgmental but curious about where those thoughts come from. And I think that's like really where the magic, at least in like the internal dialogue conversation around your body image really lies because you have to question your thoughts in order to slowly start to change them. It's diet culture in the world that we live in that constantly makes you feel like you always have to have this negative body image. But if you can even just like see the negative thoughts happening in your mind and then over time question them, ah, oh, there's such like, that is where like everything. Cause then it's like over time you get to where I am where I'm like, hell, I'm not going to be spending any time thinking about that. Like I got bigger things to do. And, um, I really don't like, I love my body. And again, like I said earlier, I don't think that has to necessarily be something everyone strives for, but I like genuinely mean it when I say like, I love my physical body and everything about it. And like, I, it's so fun to be here and it didn't take losing all that weight or having this perfect body to get there. What it took was understanding my actions and really looking at my thoughts and questioning my thoughts and then getting curious with them. And then over time, creating new thoughts and new habits, and new patterns. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Totally. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say to the woman who feels like she will never love her body or she'll never feel that way about her body. What would you say to her? Um, you have to 
want it to change it. And it is okay if you are like resistant to the messaging at first, or you're just curious, you're not ready to dive in. It took me years before I, I mean, I can remember the first body positive account that I followed and it was years afterwards that I actually cultivated my own positive body image. But I think simply just looking and reflecting about like what you want and how you want to live your life and how you want to view even yourself. Like ultimately, I believe it's all up to us to make this like you have that power. You are you are able and strong to achieve whatever you want. And if that is something you want, you can achieve it. Don't get me wrong. It definitely takes time and patience and practice and sometimes learning from other people how to do it. But it is possible. And I think just even recognizing like, oh, that is a possibility. If that's something I wanted to pursue, I could. I think just knowing that that is a possibility is is important to know. Yeah, I really like that. That's a really, a really great first step, recognizing that it is something that we can have, even if we feel like it's not possible right now. It is, it is a possibility. I love that. Right. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, we can't, if you're not going to make those changes if it's not something that you like acknowledge uh, exists and or like think about if that's something you want. Like we never make like big sweeping changes in our life if there's not like a huge reason behind it and like a motivating factor for it too. And even just like an knowledge that that's something what we want. Like you're not going to completely change your life the way you look at things if you don't like acknowledge that that's something that you want first and foremost. So what about then pregnancy and postpartum? Since most of the women who are listening are moms and there are obviously a lot of changes that happen to a woman's body during pregnancy and for sure postpartum. And during pregnancy, I think most of us hopefully going into pregnancy are recognizing that we are going to gain some weight. We are going to gain a baby. (laughs) Um, And then there's that postpartum period. How do we navigate these changes and body image as we watch our bodies physically change? Oh, gosh. Well, I think it is so hard. I'm so glad now that I'm a mom and I can look at this from like my own personal perspective because I used to get asked this question a lot. And I was like, honestly, I have no idea. I've never gone through it. I like had a feeling it would be challenging, but it definitely is. So like as usual, my first thing to say is like your feelings are valid. Like it is normal to feel uncomfortable. But in that uncomfortableness about your body changing uh, is kind of coming back to the conversations that we had today of like aligning with your values, something that, cause I, I have positive body image, but that by no means means it's positive every single day, day in and day out. Like that's not the goal. It's not to have like perfect body image, right? It's like just most of the time I feel that way, but the days that I don't, I, I use that as an opportunity to be like, okay, well, why do I feel that way? Is there an emotion or a situation or something that's making me projected onto my body image? Cause that's so often what so many of us do is we like body and food feel like easy things to control. And when something feels out of control in our life, we often project it onto those two things. So I use it as an opportunity to kind of be like, okay, what's going on in your life? What's going on? I use it as an opportunity to align with my values. So something for me personally was not only like I didn't want my daughter Maddie to see me having negative body image, but I also am feeding her exclusively for my own body. So it was like so important that I eat as much as I can and really take care of myself in order to continue doing that. So I would remind myself of those things and I would you know think about like okay well what's going on that's stressful in my life and then as far as like getting out of that funk too I think something I I often will do is just like we'll like go take a bath or take a nap or do something that's like a small act of self-care to kind of get me back into alignment with myself because I again I feel like body image is so easy 
to happen whenever we're not feeling like ourselves or something stressful is going on in our lives or something's not going as planned. We then project it onto body image. So that's been my personal experience. I go to mom support groups and I have a lot of mom friends around me. And it's something that we all talk about too, though. It's like negative body image. And I, again, I just always like to like acknowledge that it's okay if it's happening, but uh, there's more like underlying underneath it to like unravel and just to get curious with yourself about at the same time. Yeah, I love that. I really like that idea of those small acts of self-care to kind of stop that spiral because I think it can be really easy to go on that on that downward spiral of, of not feeling good about ourselves. But I love that kind of taking yourself out of it, doing that small act of self-care, recognizing it and recognizing there's probably something underlying. But sometimes in the moment, we just need to do something really good for ourselves and remind ourselves that it's okay to do something good for ourselves. Absolutely. And I will add to, I mean, I just think postpartum is such a challenging time because your body is changing without you having any control over it whatsoever. Like your body's healing from pregnancy and giving birth. Like it is likely losing weight. And I do think that for most of us, when we start losing weight, like that old diet culture, or maybe it's still like a current thing for you of like, oh, I want weight loss faster, quicker. And like, it's easy to get wrapped up into that. But again, like, oh, wait, that's that thought that I've learned from diet culture. Let me look at that and see what that actually is. Because again, your body is inevitably going to be changing to some degree. I also think too, the postpartum is hard. Like I mentioned, you project body image with things are stressful. And it's like the hardest, biggest transition of your life. So Hmm. it'd be totally normal for you to want to be projecting some of that stress onto something else because it is such a tough transition to go through in life. Like it is by far my most favorite thing about my life now. I love being a mother so much, but that doesn't mean it's not hard to have like the biggest change in your life that you'll ever have happen, you know? So I think it would be normal to some degree to be putting that onto body or wanting to control food or seeing your body changing, wanting to like make that happen quicker and faster or really want to like add to the weight loss happening. But it's just like looking at it and be like, oh, okay, that's, that's because I'm stressed and I'm don't have sleep and all these other things going on. Okay, you said something that was so good. And I don't even know if you realized you said it and something that I think thinking back now that I've had two kiddos. And so I've had two different experiences four years apart. And my intuitive eating journal journey was in the middle of two of them was that in this postpartum stage, we are losing weight without doing anything. I think so many people think, and myself included, when I had my first daughter, so she's six now, so this was quite a few years ago, I thought that I had to do something to mm. lose the baby weight. And I think so many of us, not not myself anymore, but I remember going into, even though I was already very deep into this intuitive eating journey when I got pregnant with my second daughter. In the postpartum stage, I was committed to working towards positive body image um, or continuing to work towards a positive body image and eating intuitively and not going on a diet. And thankfully, I, I didn't. And my body settled into a place that's that's perfect for me. And I didn't do anything about it. And, but I was nervous. I was like, what if what if? I don't, what if none of it comes off? What if my body stays exactly how it was? You know, we all have those fears. And even though I was deep into this journey, I still had that little fear that my body was just going to be exactly how it was at delivery. So what would you say to this woman who's listening, who's like, wait, I don't have to do anything. My body will just do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm like over here, like laughing. So I'm like, yeah, I totally like, I get that completely. Like I could think, 
it would be so easy to, I think that's a great example of like a specific example of diet culture though, is like they make you believe that you have to force and, and, and create weight loss. And also this whole concept too, of like getting your body back after having a baby, which is like a whole nother ridiculous thing going on in the diet culture world. But yeah, they, they have you believe that you have to force it. But I mean, honestly, y'all like our bodies take care of ourselves. Like our bodies are going to heal. And I think it's a funky thing that we don't often talk about in the intuitive eating world because it's just a hard thing to navigate, like having the conversation about weight loss. But yeah, your body's recovering from pregnancy. Like it's going to go back to its natural ebb and flow if you allow it to and give it space. You don't have to force that to happen. Like it's going to happen. I haven't shared about this at all in my own uh, personal platforms, but I'm back to where I was in the pre-pregnancy within six months. And I've done literally nothing. I've eaten as like much as I physically can shove down. Like I, I'm eating so much food. I barely exercise. I barely sleep. My body's just doing its thing. I don't need to do anything about that. And I do believe that's true of all of us. If we can give the space and time now, everyone will have different amount of length of time that it takes to get there. But all to be said, like, of course it's going to heal. It's diet culture that makes us believe that you have to force the weight loss for it to happen. Yes, totally. 100% agree. And it, it did. It took me like the four years between my two kids to learn this, that it's that our bodies are, are really, really powerful and they are going to do what they need to do to support us, that our bodies aren't out to get us. They're not. I think that's like such a common notion that like, oh, our body just wants to be bigger or and not that there's anything, anything wrong with our bodies being bigger. We already we already talked about that. But if that is something that we're still working through in our own minds, that we think that our bodies don't want to support us, but our bodies want to support us, and we just need to support them back and and allow them to to do their thing. Yeah, and I'll also add to that, too, that I feel like there's so many misconceptions about intuitive eating, and one of the most pervasive ones is like this concept of, I mean, it's a critical stage to go through is the permission stage, and I talk about it literally all the time on my podcast, but there's like this idea that you're going to forever just be eating things that you've deemed off limits, but that's not like when you actually become an intuitive eater, and like you said, a normal eater even, you crave things that have nourishment, and it's easy in the postpartum to allow your body, like just eat what you're craving will have a natural ebb and flow of, of all the foods in it. But I eat, you know, nourishing food a lot of the time. And it's not because I'm like trying to force myself to, I'm just listening to my body and its desires and what it wants to eat. But I'm also eating all the things because food is amazing and delicious and I love all food, but I digress. Anyways, like it's not like you don't have to force nourishment for it to happen is what I'm trying to say. No, I totally agree. And I talk to a lot of women in these early postpartum stages. And it's so funny. I know I felt this myself. I'm not sure how you felt. But um, like pregnancy and the way that like the hunger that I had during pregnancy and the way I ate during pregnancy was nothing compared to when I was nursing. I was so hungry. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. Like so many like, cravings. A hundred percent. I hated this. I think this is why I hated pregnancy is I'm such a foodie. Like I love cooking and and eating it is like it is a, a passion of mine I just love it everyone around me like knows that like I love cooking and, and making food for people anyways in pregnancy I hated food and I had no cravings all I could basically eat was ginger and lemonade and fruit uh, and some ice cream thank goodness I could at least get ice cream down but I could barely eat and I think that's why I hated pregnancy for most of it because I just didn't feel like I, I, I had nausea I just didn't feel good I couldn't eat uh, and in the postpartum y'all I like eat 
like 10,000 times more than I did in pregnancy. Like I'm eating all the time. I'm actually really hungry right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things that like, again, I think it's so cool if you can go through intuitive eating is you can uh, easily allow for that to happen without being worried or concerned about your body. Cause you know, Hey, like that's just my body taking care of itself. Like it needs to replenish its nutrient stores after literally creating a human being. And if you're breastfeeding or even not breastfeeding, like your body still needs to have that nourishment to recover itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we, we oftentimes forget that our body has gone through, no matter how we give birth, something very traumatic and that there is healing to happen. And it's totally natural because our bodies do want to take care of themselves to desire more nutrition, more nutrients, more energy, because we need to be healing. Our bodies need to be healing themselves. And that's what they, that's what they want to do. So I'm really glad, I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. So inside and outside of pregnancy and postpartum or whatever stage we're in as women, what does taking care of ourselves without trying to change our bodies look like? It can look like a lot of different things. And I think that's one of the big things about health and wellness to know it's not just about food and even exercise. You know, those are two pieces of the puzzle, but there's so many pictures of the puzzle to like taking care of yourself. So like, yes, absolutely. Like planning your food so stress isn't around like knowing what to eat. I think especially like as a family, it's really hard to figure out food. And I feel like meal planning is really helpful. Um, But it's also just eating what you're craving. It's listening to your on your hunger and your fullness cues. But outside of food, it's, you know, moving for joy, not for punishment. It's scheduling acts of self-care. It is making sure you're managing your stress, talking to a therapist if you need to in order to manage anxiety and depression or even taking medication. It's uh, taking supplements if you feel like that would be supportive. It's uh, scheduling a massage if you want to or scheduling, um, I don't know, even like bath time with a glass of wine. (laughs) It's going for walks. It's taking naps. It's looking at your financial health, your social connections and relationships. I think there's so many different ways we can take care of ourselves. And we really want to look at like all the different pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And I'm I'm laughing when you're talking about taking a bath with a glass of wine because that's one of my favorite little self care things that I'll do on a on a Sunday night. I'll take a bath with like Epsom salts, and when I tell my husband I'm going to go take a bath, he'll be like, "Do you want some wine?" And he'll like start pouring me a glass. <laughs> and I don't have it every time, but it is just one of those little pleasures and those little things I do to take care of myself that I might not have time for during the week, but is something I really look forward to, and I think might be. Something something that I wouldn't have thought of in the past as like something that I was doing to take care of myself because I think so often it's all about the food and the movement but it is so much more so I'm, I'm glad you shared all of those examples. And don't you find, Kristen, I find when I look at things like like so, so simple acts as like going for a walk with my dog or taking a nap or taking a bubble bath with a glass of wine, when I actually look at it as like, oh, this is me taking care of myself. I love myself. I am taking care of you. Like I find like I get so much more gratitude and joy out of the experience because I'm like, oh, this is like me doing something for me. Like how fun. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, because we we do deserve to be taken care of and we can take care of ourselves no matter where our body is and we should be taking care of ourselves. I love that. And I feel like the thing I've learned the most as the new mom, uh, and I'm sure you're well versed in this, but it's been a really great learning lesson for me is like taking care of myself is asking for help. Like that's probably one of the number one things I do now is like just someone like, please do this. Please help me here. Please uh, feed Madeline now. Please do this. Like I feel like I ask for help 
so much more now than I ever did. And it really has, I think, helped me maintain my sanity as a mom, too. Because if I was trying to do all the things, I would not be able to do it. Oh, 100% totally agree and it can be hard as moms because we want to do all of the things and we want to be that person that's 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 like best at everything and or at least me that's me (laughs) going where (laughs) I want to be taking care of and I am taking care of my kids but I want to be the one who's taking care of my kids and running my business and taking care of me but it comes to the point where we can't do all of those things at the same time so sometimes we need to ask for help so we can do each one of those things the best we can. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So can you share any last thoughts on how the woman listening can begin to navigate their bodies changing with respect? Uh, First, just acknowledging that change is okay, that your body is allowed to change. That's not something you need to hate or try to control or manipulate. So acknowledging that, acknowledging if any thoughts pop up, like I mentioned multiple times throughout this episode, like getting curious around what that means and what that looks like. And is there any underlying themes going on behind that? And just, I think lastly, like what what we've been talking about is like find ways to take care of yourself that have nothing to do with your body size. Just take care of yourself simply because you deserve to take care of yourself and it's fun joyful thing to do for yourself so good oh thank you so much victoria this has been awesome oh thank you for having me i have three final little fun questions i think i sent these out to you but i love asking these at the end of every show just for fun um because i am a foodie and i love to talk about food in a really joyful way and i love that you shared that you are too (laughs) Um, because the first question i'm going to ask you is what is your favorite thing to cook oh my gosh like everything uh (laughs) Oh, I got to think for a second. Um, Well, first of all, while I'm thinking of something, I love to cook with a record player uh, or music behind sometimes a podcast, usually old fashioned or glass of wine or just a tea even in my hand. I like to like have things going on when I'm cooking. Um, We eat a lot of tacos in my house. That will be my answer. Mm -hmm. I live in Florida. I feel like there's always local fish and seafood everywhere. So I feel like we make fish or shrimp tacos all the time here. And it's one of my favorite things to make and what's great about it too is it's really quick and easy Mm, I love I love tacos and I love fish tacos too I'm in New England so we have a lot of fish but fish tacos tend to be more of a summertime thing for us it's there I can (laughs) see snow on the ground outside so that's awesome tacos are so good (laughs) I I live in constant summer so I think we don't eat as seasonally as other places but it's actually fun to just embrace that and just to really go with it because if you look to how other people eat it's just so different than how Florida seasons and what's available to us is and it's almost uh, like a fun challenge to myself to really like focus on that rather than like what like the fun seasonal thing is to do well you're still eating seasonally you just have different seasons than other parts of the world yeah we just basically have summer 24 7 (laughs) I kind of like that I won't lie my husband um, is a sailor and so he travels to Florida a lot for work and I've only been there a handful of times but I'm always jealous when it's the winter time and he's like yep heading off to Florida and I'm like looking at the snow outside (laughs) Yeah, but on the other hand, I haven't seen snow in like a decade because we've lived here for almost nine years now. So I miss snow. So, well, I'll get back to it eventually. (laughs) It is beautiful. You're always welcome up here in New England to come see the snow. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So the second question would be, what is your favorite thing to order if you're going out to eat or have someone to cook for you? 
to cook for me. Probably uh, one of my best friends here in Florida, he makes this like phenomenal lasagna. And I just honestly, I suck at making lasagna. I think I, I like anything that I have to be very exact. I'm a very like um, haphazard cook. I always like to like never measure anything. I feel like lasagna does require like some level of like having like a method to it. So I love it when my friend makes this lasagna and we all have like this like fun lasagna night. Um, otherwise takeout, gosh, we almost always get Thai food or there's this awesome place here called fresh kitchen where it's like these bowls where you get to get like different, um, like it's grains and then vegetables and proteins and like all these amazing sauces. And that's always really fun to get because you can change up the flavors and what you're eating so much with all the, just like the different options available. So we get that almost every single Friday night. It's like a theme in our house. Mm, that sounds so good. It is getting to lunchtime and I'm starting to get hungry hearing you talking about these <laughs> delicious foods. So so we can both get to lunch. I know you said earlier that you're hungry too. <laughs> always hungry, like always. <laughs> <laughs> we talk a lot on this podcast, or I talk a lot about finding what I love to call your beautiful balance, going beyond obsessing over food and finding nourishment and pleasure in food and in life. So what does your beautiful balance mean to you? I think in this current season of my life, balance looks like understanding that every day is going to look dramatically different. And especially as far as like running a business while raising a daughter, some days I get all the work done, but I don't get to hang out with Maddie as much. And then vice versa. Some days I'm always with my daughter and then I don't get any work done. And I feel like old perfectionist and um, controlling behaviors would have been really not okay with that. And I've learned now just to go with the flow of it and just, it's okay, like balance balance truly means like every day is different rather than thinking like it's always gonna be like this amount of hours of work and this amount of hours of play and it's that's not what it is at all it's like going with the flow of things and that's what balance uh that type of balance is really important in my life right now I'm nodding over here totally totally agree 100 percent. I always say balance isn't static it's gonna change day to day it's gonna change in the seasons and it's really a feeling I think more than anything so I love yeah. that yeah, yeah. I always just end the day with being like, as long as I feel like I did my best and showed up and took care of myself and my family and did what it felt like was the best decisions for the day, that's all that matters because it always looks so dramatically different. Yeah, totally. Oh, and I love I love watching you over on social media and listening to you on and your podcast sharing how, you know, how your life is evolving with your with your little your little one Maddie and um and coming into into life as a mom. It's so fun to see. And I'm oh, sure it you. will it does always change. This this year for us we're navigating kindergarten, which is totally different than <laughs> than anything we have before cuz my oldest is now in kindergarten and that's a new season and it's all so fun and you're always kind of finding a different balance in every season. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know though what I did with my time or life before I was a mom though cuz now I'm just like gosh, like I feel like I like get it's crazy how like you figure it all out and you think that you're like never going to have time as a mom, but it really does work itself out. And it's also like life is 10,000 times more fulfilling now. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love this season. As crazy as it is, I love it so much. Oh, I love that. So could you just share where my listeners can find you? 
Yeah, so I think most people hang out with me on the podcast. So it's the Nourishing Women podcast. We have conversations about intuitive eating and body image and holistic killing, wellness, motherhood, and so much more. We actually have episodes now every Tuesday and Friday, which is really exciting. Usually Tuesdays are around like a 15 to 20 minute episode of me sharing some insight into one of those conversations. And then guests are usually on Friday. Um, Other than that, you can find my practice in our education center at nourishingmindsnutrition.com. I have a blog called Victoria. Victoria Myers. Um, you can find me on Instagram at, at Victoria Myers underscore and then the practice and the podcast and the education centers all at Nourishing Minds Nutrition. And I have to say your Instagram is fabulous for the woman who is just in general, but for the woman who is on this journey to body image and body positivity and really and body acceptance, I think you have a really, really fantastic Instagram for that. So they should they should follow you over on Aww. there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I I switched it, uh, I would say, like two years ago to be more body focused in that way, just because I felt like I kind of was this um, unicorn almost of like dietitians don't usually talk about their own body image. And I was willing to share mine just to see if it could help others. And it's really resonated with a lot of people. And I'm really appreciative of that um, because I feel like I just want to change this notion that all dietitians look a certain way. And that really, I think, helps to manifest this concept that all women look a different way. So I appreciate you saying that. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And thank you so much for all of the work that you do in the world, your podcast, your blog, your Instagram. I appreciate it. I know it is so needed. And I'm so thankful that you spent this time with me today. Oh, well, thank you for having me, Kristen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.